0: All right, well good morning to everyone. Welcome to the well here at STSA. It's so great to see you joining us here this morning. In case you missed last week, we are in part two of a series called Happily Ever After? Question mark? And the reason why we're talking about that is because we talked about last week is that these days, the following sentence I'll say, you agree 100%, is that falling in love is easy, but staying in love is not. It has never been easier in the world to fall in love, and like I said last week, you can fall in love by lunchtime if you really wanted to, but that's not our goal, is to fall in love. Our goal is to stay in love, and like every area of life, like every area of life, long-term success, long-term health in any area of life requires discipline and commitment. If you want health, physical health, if you want academic success, career success, it's not luck, it's people who are committed and disciplined when it comes to that field. Well, the same is true when it comes to marriage. So what we're doing in this series, we're talking about five commitments. The word I like better is disciplines, five disciplines that we are gonna commit to doing. And if we are married, we're gonna commit to doing these immediately. If we are hoping to marry, we are going to make sure that when we get there, we know what marriage is supposed to be like. We don't have a rosy um, picture of what it is. It comes down to disciplines. And these are the five disciplines that we talked about last week. The first discipline is seek God. Remind me again. The first discipline is what? It is seek God. Seek God. And we talked about that last week, about how we, if we are married, we will seek the one. God is the one. Our spouse is the two. We will seek the one with our two always. And if we are hoping to marry, we will seek the one while preparing for the two. And we talked about last week, in case you weren't here, about how so often we get these things wrong. We get these things mixed up is that we think that the spouse is one and our goal is to find a spouse. Our goal is to get married. We said, no, 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 no. Our goal is to find God and the spouse is there to help us get there. But if you get these two mixed up, if you don't have the right pilot and co-pilot, you're never gonna be successful in marriage and you'll, be, you'll you'll go through all the books and all the seminars and all the videos and all the everything, but it comes down to if God isn't one, you're always gonna struggle. So our first commitment, remind me again, married people and hoping to marry people. We commit to do what? We commit to? Seek God. Today we're going to have commitment number two. And equipment number two, commitment number two is? Fight, 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 fight fair. You're saying that pretty weak. We're in a fighting mood today. Say that again. Our second commitment is to? Fight, fight, fair. fight fair. Today we're going to talk about rules of warfare. I'll get to that in a second. Our third commitment, which will be next week, it is to? Have fun. Commitment number four is? Stay pure. Stay pure. Commitment number five is? Never quit. Let's go to fight fair because, as I said earlier, when nations go to war with each other and they want to kill and destroy, there's still rules of warfare. So, there has to be rules of warfare when it comes to our homes and our fights in marriage as well. But before we dig into the subject, because today is a little bit of a testy subject, we're going to talk about fighting today. I want to open up by sharing two verses that. You probably may have read them before, but they're not the most often quoted verses. They're verses that I think will be very applicable to us in our discussion here today. And one of the verses the men will really like, and one of the verses the women will really like. So we'll start with the men verse right here. But ladies, as soon as you want to throw something at me, like I said, stay tuned. I got one coming for you too. But let's start with the men right here. So men, I'm gonna show a verse up on the screen. Again, it's in the Bible. You may have never seen it before. It never comes up. It's never like on the wedding card or the invitation. It's not one of those kind of verses, but it is from the inspired word of God. And if you like this verse, men, I need to hear you support me here because this is, this is your way of helping me to help you, okay? If I show these verses. So if you like the verse, men, I need a grunt if you like the verse. Men, you know how to grunt? Remember when we were kids, home improvement, Tim the Tool Man Taylor? The oh, oh, oh. Men, give me a grunt. Oh, that's weak. Men, give me a grunt. Okay, very good, man. That's how we do. as him to a man, Taylor. Oh, that's right. So I'm going to show you a verse here. Guys, if you like the verse, give me a good grunt. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Men, how do you feel about that verse? Oh, yeah, that's a good, verse. <laughs> that's a good one. That's what I'm going to put up on the, on the bedroom wall right there. That's what it's not talking about. Because this is this is not my opinion, guys. This is ladies, this is not me. This is the inspired word of God, breathed by the Holy Spirit, which says that a quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. A quarrelsome, a nagging, a critical, a never stops talking during football wife <laughs> is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm you know like the old Chinese prisons one of their tortures they would lock you in a room they would tie you down they would just drip uh, one drip on your forehead and the people would go crazy and ask what the inspired word of God is telling us that a quarrelsome wife is men you like that verse oh that's a good verse right that's a good verse ladies I don't want you to feel left out I got one for you too if you ladies like the verse how about what ladies give me a holler give me a woohoo ladies tell me can you holler ladies Woohoo! Okay, so I'll give you a verse right now from the scripture. Again, inspired word of God. And you tell me if you like it. And the verse says this better to have severe constipation than to live with a husband who is a jerk. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, that is from 2nd Mary Ann chapter four, <laughs> verse five. <laughs> My wife's name is Marianne, for those who don't know, okay? There is no book of Marianne. If you're looking for it, you're like, yes, that's the one I need. There is no book of Marianne. The worst part of marriage is fighting. Marriage is the best, but the worst part is fighting. And regardless of what you are tempted to think, nobody likes fighting. So regardless, if you're tempted to think, no, she likes fighting. No, he enjoys it. Nobody likes fighting. No one enjoys, especially when, I'll tell you what happens in our marriage. In our marriage, it seems like the worst fights happen after the periods of the most closeness. And that's why it hurts so much because we got so close, so close, so close, so close. And then the fight comes and it hurts that much more. And if you're like me, okay, it's, it's, it's cliche. Everyone says it, but it's 100% true. Most fights, most major fights are usually about the dumbest of things raise your hand like Danny said we're a raise your hand kind of church raise your hand if you can remember having a major fight over the dumbest thing imaginable raise your hand okay raise your hand if you can remember having a major fight and at the end of it or at one point in the discussion you didn't even know what the fight was about raise your hand okay now raise your hand if that happened this morning anyone <laughs> happen this morning okay up, oh, got your hand up okay come see me after this <laughs> we'll say talk <laughs> no one likes to fight and usually fights are over the dumbest thing one time a long time ago i was talking about marriage and marriage fights and back, this is back when i used to be active on on social media and twitter and things like that so i just put out there on twitter and i said tell me about the dumbest fight you've ever had i wanted to do some market research tell me about the dumbest fight you ever had and let me tell you some of the results that people sent me people got into fights about sleeping with the nightlight on or off <laughs> temperature of the house how to eat ribs. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're going with a knife and the fork and someone was offended. I, I don't know, but someone put that. Gets even dumber. How to blow your nose. You would think it's kind of straightforward, like exit out, but apparently not. Where he puts, I shouldn't have said he, but where he puts the towel after he shower. The cap on the toothpaste, which, yeah, I get that one. And then squeezing the bottom would be on there too, on my list. The cabinet doors. Okay, the cupboard door, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I agree with that one, the cupboard doors, okay. Someone actually wrote this. Someone actually got into a fight about what is the dumbest fight they ever got into. They got into a fight discussing what's the dumbest fight they ever got into. Another person said they got into a fight about folding socks versus balling the socks. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of animal folds their socks? Of course you do the ball, you do the thing and you do the thing and of course it's a little ball but apparently there's weird people out there. And then my favorite, one priest responded to me and he said that one time he got a phone call from a couple that was going through some issues and the phone call went exactly like this. This is what the priest said. This is his words, it's not mine. It's not somewhere in our congregation. He told the priest, I'm ready to walk out of my marriage. I can't take it anymore. And the priest said, what happened? And he said, quote, come see where she put the laundry. Come see where she put the laundry. And that was what caused a fight in their house. I wanted to do more research. So I asked my wife. I said, Mary Ann, tell me, because she's got a much better memory than me. Okay, I I could have a fight yesterday when I remembered Say, I said, Mary Ann, tell me, what was the dumbest fight we ever got into? And she reminded me of a time where we actually, believe me, we actually got into a fight about whether or not we were fighting. (laughs) Mary Ann was convinced we were fighting. And I was convinced that everything was fine. And she used her gift, her spiritual gift of persistence to let me know that she thinks that we're fighting and it's not okay. And I use my spiritual gift of being a jerk to ignore her and go to sleep. And apparently that caused a major fight in our house. The bottom line is every couple fights. Every couple fights. The only couples, you know the only couples that don't fight is the couples that don't care, is the couples that are checked out. It's easy not to fight if you don't care, but if you care and you're invested, then we need to appreciate and understand and embrace the fact that fighting is a part of any relationship. It's a part of any relationship, not just marriage. Conflict is going to be there. And our goal is not how to stop fighting. Our goal is not how to not have conflict because the only way to not have conflict in any relationship is to give up and check out. Our goal is how to fight the right way. How to have healthy conflict. And the bottom line, okay, our main idea for today is this. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. Healthy couples fight to resolve the issue. Unhealthy couples fight to win. There's a marriage specialist who's written many books. His name is Dr. John Gottman. And he has studied marriages for over 20 years. And he writes in his book, okay, he he watches how couples fight. He writes in his book that he can watch a couple for five minutes. What he does is he brings them in and he gives them, he keeps asking questions until there's a subject that leads to a fight. And he says that he can watch a couple fight for five minutes five minutes, watch them argue or some kind of conflict for five minutes and predict with a 91% accuracy whether or not they will get a divorce. And I believe it. Because there are certain principles that tell the entire story. It's not about what issues cause fights. Every couple has fights. Every relationship has conflict. It's not about whether or not there's fights. It's about when there is. How do we approach it? With a, I gotta win, my way, like win and lose, or a resolution mindset, and that's what he says. And I learned this one time, my wife, Marianne, and I, we went to a conference called Weekend to Remember. Anyone been to Weekend to Remember? Okay, so several people did, but not that many people. Weekend to Remember is a marriage conference that's done all over the country. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. When we were there, we saw an object lesson, an example that made this clear to us, and it was using a salt shaker. This is not salt, but this is Cajun seasoning, but this is all I could find, okay? (laughs) Assumingly, there's salt somewhere. So unhealthy couples, the way most people approach fighting is this way. Is I sit on one side of the table, my wife on the other side of the table, and there's this issue which is represented by this Cajun seasoning salt shaker. And I say, this thing, you did this. And she sit over there and she say, blah, 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 no, you this. And I sit in here and say, how dare you accuse me of that? No, this on you. And we go back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And if that's how the couple is fighting, you will never have success. What they said is, instead of sitting on opposite sides of the table, we're pushing this thing back and forth. What we need to do is, I need to stand over here, grab my wife by the hand, sit here, and say this is against us. We're on the same team. It's not you or me, it's us. And this thing, whatever this issue is, the towel on the floor or the socks or the shoes or the blow nose, whatever it may be, this thing is attacking us. So together, you and I, we're teammates, we're fighting against this thing. When, and if you're a sports person, you understand this, that if teammates are fighting with each other, they're fighting the wrong person because the enemy, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. What the enemy wants to do is to get us to fight against each other, to think that our spouse is against us and what I come to realize and if you're married you need to know this is your spouse for better or for worse your spouse for better or for worse that's your teammate for life and that's the only teammate you got so if you want to win the game and you want to be on top when the scoreboard when the when the the, the, the the timer says zero at the end of the game then you need to learn how to work with your teammate because that's the teammate that God chose for you and that's the only teammate that you get you could sit there and complain. You could sit there and say they aren't, or she is, or he is. But in the end, that's your teammate. And that, that issue is threatening you guys together. St. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't, you don't realize this is a marriage verse, but this is a marriage verse. This is a life relationship verse. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, the couples that are going to make it are the ones that realize we're on the same team, either we both win or we both lose. But there can be no way, listen carefully married people. There can be no way that I win or that I that I win and she loses. And there can be no way that I lose and she wins. There's no way. Cuz if there's losing, we both lose together cuz we are on the same team. Either we both win or we both lose. That's why let me give you some signs. These are four signs that you are fighting to win, not fighting to resolve. Fighting in an unhealthy way, that you're not fighting fair. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, checking out. Criticism. Criticism is different than complaining. Okay, complaining is not good, but complaining is better than criticism. Complaining says, I wish you would have, you know, done whatever. Criticism says, you never do whatever. Complaining says, I wish you know, you'd you be more loving. Criticism says, you're such an unloving person. Complaining deals with the issue, we can work with that. Criticism deals with the person, that's where it's fighting dirty. Second, as you see it says contempt. Contempt, sometimes I sit with couples and honestly, my heart breaks as I'm sitting there and I'm seeing the eye rolls and the sarcasm and the, uh, the huffs and the puffs and the sighs. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you want me to help you resolve this issue? I don't even think you like each other. Like, do you even like him? Are you, like, are you happy that he's, like, do you like each other? Because with the stuff that I see right now, like, it makes me question that. And if that's where you're at with this contempt, with this disgust, you're not fighting fair. Third, defensive. Defensive is obvious. That's where it's always his fault, always her fault. Can't see yourself. Can't see anything, problem with yourself. It's he never. It's he, she never. Whatever it may be, it's always defensive, defensive, defensive. And then the last one is checking out. And that's where you say, basically, like I said, is I'm done, I'm giving up. I'm still living in the house, okay? But you know what? I ain't even trying anymore. And let me say to you, if you are at level one, two, or three, listen up, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about some different things and we're gonna have some fun with it and hopefully help you out. If you're at level four, you need to talk to someone immediately. You need to talk to someone immediately because you need to get help. If you're at the place where you're checked out, then there's nothing that I can say or anyone can say that's gonna help you because you've already checked out. So if you're at level four, you need to come talk to me, come talk to somebody. But assuming that you're not at level three, let's go to levels one, two, and three. If you were criticism, contempt, defensiveness, we wanna see, God, how is it that we can learn to fight fair in a healthy way? And I'm gonna show you one verse that I believe gives the prescription of how to fight fair and resolve conflict in every relationship in life. Three principles, and we'll talk about what it means practically. But this one verse, I want you to memorize this verse because I'm telling you, You get this verse, your success in relationships will go through the roof. It's James chapter one, verse 19 and 20. It says, let every man, actually, let's read this together. Read it with me. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Three things, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. This is the formula, and we're gonna take these one by one. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let's start with number one. Swift to hear means listen intently. Listen intently. Listen proactively. Many of us, <clears throat> <clears throat> give you another example. We treat conversations, especially the ones with the conflict. We treat conversations like a game of ping pong. A game of ping pong, I hit the ball, and as soon as I hit it, the other person's getting ready to hit theirs, I'm automatically planning my next shot. So it's boom, 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 boom. And that's how many conversations take place. I see it in front of my own eyes. Well, you know, what's bothering you today? Well, you know, he's this and that. Well, she's this and that. Well, he did this and that. Well, she didn't call me that, and she did And it's back and forth, and it's back and forth, and it's getting nowhere. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is a disaster. A game of ping pong is never going to resolve anything because the principle of ping pong is that the second you hit your shot, you automatically start planning your next shot. It's a very quick game. And some of us in conversations, as soon as we say something, the other person's talking, we're automatically thinking of how I'm gonna follow it up with the kill shot. Instead, I think we need to treat conversations like a game of catch. We have a football theme. And I need a volunteer to help illustrate how the game of catch works. Fady, come on up. Come on up here, Fady. You got a lot of confidence in me. You're going to catch this ball if I throw it to you. So in conversations, we need to treat it like game of catch, which means that I say something, OK? And then I throw the ball to my spouse. And she now is talking. And she's saying whatever it is. And I'm focused on her. And then she throws it back. And what? Whoa. <laughs> Don't make me jump. A game of catch, which is different than ping pong, you can't throw the ball until you first catch it. Okay, and if you ever played football, what they teach you is that you look the ball all the way in, you catch it, you tuck it, and then you do whatever. We need to treat it the same way. So I say whatever I want to say, My, if this bothered me, whatever it may be. And then she's talking, and before I speak, I see what she has to say, I look it in, I catch it, I process it, and then I respond. Thank you very much, Fetty. Give him a big hand. He did a good job. That was a lot of pressure. Many of us, when we're having conversations, we're not actually listening. We're just not interrupting. Not interrupting is not the same as listening. Listening means I look it all the way in, I catch it, and I say, okay, this is what she's trying to say. Now I understand it, and now I respond. Ask yourself the question. Which are you better at? And be honest. Are you a person who likes to be heard or a person who likes to actually hear? Be honest. Are you a person, most of your conflicts, and usually, just so we're clear, usually in most marriages, there's one partner who is better at arguing than the other. And it takes me about 30 seconds when a couple comes sits with me to figure out who that person is. And if you have that, and you're the one who's better at arguing, then you have a greater responsibility. You have to be even more swift to hear and not respond or else you're a bully is what you are. Proverbs chapter 18, verse two says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but just wants to air his own. He likes to hear the the sound of his voice. It's a question for you. Are you trying to hear or be heard? Are you trying to win or are you trying to resolve? When you get to a point in a conversation, this is good, especially again, if you're the person who's good at arguing, there comes a point in a conversation where you're thinking to yourself, I can't understand how anyone would have that opinion. I can't understand how anyone would say what you're saying. I can't understand how anyone would think the way you are thinking. You've gotten to that point. Then your goal, listen carefully, is to try to understand. Your goal is to try to understand and don't assume, I said this before and I'll talk a long time ago, one of the best things that you can do for your marriage or any relationship is assume that your spouse is not a moron. Assume that your spouse is not evil. So if your spouse has a position that you don't agree with, assume they're intelligent, they're well-meaning, you just don't understand. So what do you do when you don't understand? You shut your mouth and you open your ears. You be swift to hear that you assume when you, as soon as you utter the words, I can't understand, that means you need to quiet your mouth and open your ears to seek to understand before you respond. Swift to hear, we will listen intently. Number two, we'll be slow to speak. Slow to speak, and that means we will speak carefully. The picture in my mind right now, I couldn't bring this one up here on stage. i would be a very big stage if I wanted to bring an elephant up here on stage. Imagine an elephant in a wine store, like a store with a bunch of wine bottles. An elephant walking through there, okay, is going to cause lots of problems. What we need to do when we are in a place where there is a lot of delicate stuff, we need to walk delicately. Some of us are elephants in our, in our conflict resolution. It's a delicate situation. There's sensitive. There's tears. There's emotions. There's hurt feelings. And we come in there, elephant, dumbo style, flapping the ears, knocking over stuff, not caring. Well, I'm just saying the truth. I'm just... That I have no filter. That's just how I am. Take it or leave it. And that's what I'm, what I'm telling you. You may be speaking the truth, but you're breaking a lot of stuff in the process. What well, we need to learn to do, first thing, swift to hear, slow to speak. Speak carefully. Speak delicately. Did you know, this is an important point, it just seems so common sense, but some of us need to hear this. Did you know that just because a thought popped in your head, you don't have to say it? Did you know that? You don't have to tweet it or say it, or pose, like you should, you're allowed to just keep a thought in there. Okay, and you're thinking to yourself, well the thought is gonna be lonely because there ain't much in there. But I'm telling you, it's okay. It'll attract more thoughts, keep it in there. <laughs> so we need to be careful and we need to think to ourselves before we speak, do I, does this need to be said? So I'm just saying, yes, it needs to be said. And then the next question, does it need to be said now? Like in the middle of the conflict, is it the appropriate time to mention that the turkey was a little dry last night? <laughs> Is it the appropriate time to say, you look like you picked up a few pounds? Not the appropriate time. Like, those are great topics, and I'm not against, we should be open and honest. But there's a time and a place for everything. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. It says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. This is a great verse, one that I think you should hold to when you fight. It's one that I don't think you should quote when you're fighting but you should absolutely practice it. Guarding your tongue and your mouth to keep yourself from troubles. What does that look like practically? Came up with a list of what that does look like and what that doesn't look like. So first of all, what not to do when we're fighting. Number one, calling names. Okay, I'm just reading this list of six things. I'm Just go through these quickly. Number one, no name calling. Okay, we're not four year olds. Okay, we don't, the name calling doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't advance the cause. If you find yourself calling names, you are doing it the wrong way. You're fighting dirty. Number two, raising your voice. No, 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 nothing was like, oh, now that you screamed it, that makes t- much more sense to me right now. Raising your voices is, 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 is not gonna get us where we need to get to. Number three, getting historical. No getting historical, not hysterical, historical. You know what historical means? Back in 2004, <laughs> and don't you remember the great fight of, of 1996? Okay, that's not gonna get us closer to our solution. Number four, never say never and never say always. Saying never and always. If you want to drive anyone crazy in a conflict, just the word never and always is the most annoying thing that you say. Because again, appreciate. There's a difference between you didn't appreciate me yesterday versus you never appreciate me. Like if you want to take a small fight and make it explode, say never and always, boom, congratulations. You got an explosion on your hands. Never threaten divorce. Never threaten divorce. Never ever. It's a bad word. I promise you. It will have a lasting impact in your marriage and it will cause repercussions that you were not aware of. Okay, you can't pull that one back in. You can't pull that one back in. Last one, okay, I know this sounds funny. Never quote me. Never quote me in your fights. It's your fight, not my fight. Leave me out of it. Well, Father Anthony says, that, leave me out of it, okay? I don't need someone knocking on my door and Father Anthony said, it's your fight. It's not my fight. Don't quote a sermon. Don't leave me out of it. Okay, I'm not involved in your fight. <laughs> what you should do instead is ask yourself, like I said, is does this need to be said, does this need to be said right now? And there's a time and a place for everything to be discussed, a time and a place, but not necessarily in the middle of a fight, okay? So number one, we're gonna be swift to here we're gonna listen intently. If I don't understand, how could anyone have that? That means I need to shut up even more so I can listen, so I can understand. Number two, I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm not going to be that elephant in the wine shop. I'm going to be slow. I'm gonna realize there's delicate stuff, breakable stuff. I'm going to go slow. Number four, or number three, I'm sorry, is slow to wrath. I will handle my anger righteously. And I am saying anger. I am saying it is okay that you will be angry in marriage. It is okay to be angry in marriage. It's okay to be angry in life. You will be angry. But as the scripture teaches us, is that anger is not an excuse to sin. Anger is inevitable, but doing bad actions is 100% avoidable. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Jesus was angry in a righteous way. Be angry and do not sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. It's funny that in the verse about anger and wrath, it talks about the sun going down. If you're married, you know that the time of the greatest fighting is usually not lunchtime. It's usually not the middle of the day. It's usually not a Saturday afternoon in the park. Where it usually is, is nighttime. That's where the dirty fighting is usually on display the most. When that sun goes down, okay, that's when, the, that's when we start to bring out all of our bad habits. And if you're married, I'm gonna show you a picture up here on the screen, no, a picture says a 1,000 words. I'm gonna show you a picture that perfectly exemplifies what every married couple knows. When the fight is coming and we see that fight coming and it's nighttime, about to go to bed, we assume the fighting position. You know the fighting position in marriage? It's that, isn't it? That's the fighting position. And in this fighting position in marriage, back to back, I discovered that I bet you in your marriage, there's two people, okay, there's two different ways that you approach this fighting position. You have the huffers. And then you have the silence. The huffers, and then the silence. The huffers, if you're a huffer, you know you're a huffer. You right now are angry, and you are on your side, you don't want to have nothing to that side, but you are huffing and puffing and turning and grabbing sheets, and you are making it clear that you are not happy. And you want them to know that I ain't sleeping happy. And if you gotta get up to go to the bathroom, you stomp your way to the bathroom, you slam the toilet, and you huff and puff your way back to the bed to make sure that they know I'm not happy. If you're a silent person, you, you remain as motionless as possible. If you could stop breathing, you would. You don't want them to have the satisfaction. You don't want them to have the satisfaction to know that you're even aware that there's a fight taking place. You lie motionless and you don't ever move. And if by any chance, if by any chance during this fighting position, a piece of your, like there's a middle line that's very clear, but somehow if a toe, okay, or a toenail creeps over onto her side of the bed and you touch her leg with your little toe, you pull that toe back you say, you ain't getting any toe from me tonight, lady, okay? <laughs> Keep your toes to yourself. And you want to make it clear that you don't care about this situation. It's not just us, is it? So, does that mean, does this verse mean that we never go to sleep angry? Does this verse mean that we never go to bed angry? Maybe when when you were, you you know, when you were first married, you heard, you know, never sleep angry, or maybe you even said that, or maybe you practice it. And I'm going to share my opinion. I'm just going to share my opinion. And I realize that I'm, I might be in the minority on this one. That So if you got it, if you're, this is what I'm going to say. If you're married, you got a system that works for you, never go to bed angry, more power to you, ignore what I'm about to say. My opinion, however, is that this verse that said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath does not mean that we never go to bed angry. And in fact, I actually think going to bed sometimes is the best thing that you can do for a fight. We've discovered that in our marriage. Because what happens is, if you have this We can't sleep while angry. If you have that hard and fast rule, what's going to happen is the person who, like I said, is better at arguing. There's always one person who likes to argue a little more than the other one and one person who just can't take it. What's going to happen is that person who just can't take it is going to get bullied because they just want to go to sleep. So we're going to make compromises. We're going to say, okay, fine. It's resolved just because we just want to sleep at some point in time. So I disagree with the idea that you can't Go to bed angry. Again, if it works for you, I'm not telling you that this is the right way. I'm just telling you simply what we've discovered. What we discovered, and I've seen with a lot of couples, is sometimes this arbitrary goal of we have to resolve it before we sleep ends up causing more problems. So then how do I resolve that verse? I said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I don't think it's a problem to sleep angry. I think the problem is when we wake up and we go about our day angry. What I mean by that is, when we wake up and pretend as if nothing has happened. When we wake up, like we go to bed angry and it's on the side, okay, we're angry. but Then when we get up, then it's like, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good day to you? And we just kind of, that's what it means. That's the unresolved conflict that's dangerous. It's not that it has to be before we go to bed, but it's when we just leave it there and we let resentment grow. But I'm telling you, sometimes the best thing, again, for us, it is 100%, the best thing is both parties go to your corner, shut your mouth, get a few uh, hours of sleep, and then all of a sudden, clear your heads in the morning. And many times it happened in our marriage. We go to bed in the morning. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, fine, we're good. Because what happens in the morning? Back to what we talked about last week. We're gonna seek God. We're gonna seek God. We're gonna seek God. So what happens in the morning is that sometimes we wake up, we seek God, and the word of God says it's like a mirror force. So sometimes the best thing, and Marianne has come to realize this is me, that sometimes I get, and she's like, okay, okay, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, go, yeah. And she knows, push me off in my room. Let me close the door. Let me stand in front of my heavenly father. And everything is clear in front of your heavenly father when you're doing it the right way. And the Nine out of 10 times come back and say, you know what? I was a jerk. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. The yelling was never going to convince me. The fighting was never going to convince me that the time and presence of God That's where it comes from. But you say to yourself, okay, that's fine for you, Father Anthony, but my husband is a jerk. But my wife is a nag. I have the worst spouse on the planet. They're the most controlling, they're the most obnoxious, they're the my way or I way, whatever it may be. And I say to you, okay, I agree. You have the worst spouse on the planet, I agree with you. But at some point in time, they weren't the worst spouse. At some point in time, you guys were best friends. You guys were in love. You said, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. And then what happened to get you to that point? What happened? A conflict came up, and then you guys did not resolve it in the proper way. I don't know. Maybe it was you, maybe it was her. Most likely it was both of you. Something happened. You were not swift to hear. You were not slow to speak. You were not slow to wrath. You were the elephant walking in the room. Or you were the, I never took time to understand the other person or you were the one that let, whatever it was, and resentment started to build. So all I'm saying is, is that when the conflict comes, they're the worst, they're the worst, they're the worst. But all I'm saying is, that if we approach conflict the right way, maybe you'll start to see them in the same light that you saw them before. I have the best wife on the planet, hands down. You, if you're married, you can get second place at best. I got the best wife. But with that said, there are times where I'm tempted to think the opposite. There are times where I am, as the kids say, all up in my feels. <laughs> and there are times where I'm tempted to think, you know what? And she is, and she's not, and she is, and, I, and I'm tempted to think it just like everyone else. And I'm telling you, the best thing in that situation for us, and I'm sure she's had many more opportunities to think that, okay? The best thing for us sometimes is shh. Each one go to 20 second timeout. Timeout, 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 timeout. We don't need to resolve this. You go over there, sleep it off. You you go over there, you sleep it off. You go in your room, you pray to God. You go in your room, you pray to God. And every single time that we've we've done that, we've come out and resolved the fight. Some of them have been bigger than others. Some of them have lasted longer than others. Look, I'm not trying to tell you that every fight is resolved by nine o'clock in the morning. No, some take days. Some take weeks, okay, especially back in the beginning but in the end, we're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to make this commitment. And I promise you, that's why seek God was not like, okay, did that last week. What do I do this week? No, 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 no. Seek God. That's the foundation of all. We're going to keep on doing that for the rest of our lives. We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. And when we do that, then I promise you, God will work. What those results will be? I don't know, but I promise you God will work. The verse I showed you last week, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Some married couples need to hear this today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I told you last week that I want to insert for instead of land, heal their marriage. I want to heal their marriage. But my people need to seek me, repent of the dirty fighting styles, the unhealthy fighting styles. If my people will seek me, will pray, will repent, then I want to heal their land. Look, I realize that I made light of marital fighting today and I was you know, trying to have fun with it and joking and dumb fights and things like that. And I realize there's people who are sitting here who are like, okay, Father, anything? But anything, I got serious issues in my marriage. And we have serious, like there's serious hurt. There's serious lack of trust. There's been serious abuses of whatever it may be. And I get that, I get that, I get that, I get that. But I promise you, whether your issue is this, whether your issue is this, whether it's the socks or whether it's the line, whatever it may be, I don't know what it is, but I promise you, my advice to you is the same. Seek God, fight fair. Seek God, fight fair. I don't want to become, I don't want you to become one of those fix him wives or one of those fix her husbands. Like that's my goal. I'm gonna fix him. I'm gonna fix her. You don't wanna go down that route. And I'm going to fix him. I'm going to fix her. And your whole life is, and your friends are, I can't need to fix him. I need to fix her. That's the road that leads to disaster. I want us to be, we're going to be seek God husbands. We're going to be seek God wives. We're going to be do our part and trust in God spouses for each other. We're not going to be the fix him or the fixer. We're going to be the seek God, trust God, do my part and let him deal with the results kind of people. Because remember, as I said last week, we're not talking about vows when it comes to Orthodox weddings. We don't do vows. We do commands. We do commands. and God has commanded me and has commanded you and has commanded all of us to be the husband or wife that he commands us to be regardless. If your spouse is the best, congratulations. It's easier for you. But if he or she isn't, it doesn't change the command from God. I want to put some questions up here on the screen. And if you're married, these are some great questions that you may be able to discuss later today. And even if you're not married, okay, but you're hoping to marry, these are good questions that you can look at. Question number one, how would you evaluate the way you typically fight? Like I said, some of us are better at it than others. Be honest with yourself. Which of the three rules of James 1.19 do you need to work on? And number three, ask your spouse or a close friend what you can do to improve in your fighting style. So to recap, number one, we're going to seek God. First commitment. We're going to seek God. That's going to be our first discipline. We're going to seek God. We're married. We're going to seek God together. And I hope you've been practicing that this week. You will continue to practice. If you're hoping to marry, you will seek God while preparing to get to that point. Number two, we're going to fight fair. We're going to fight to resolve, not fight to win. We're fighting for resolution. We're going to take that salt shaker. And we're not going to say it's your problem or it's my problem or, it's your problem. We're going to hold hands. We're going to sit together and we're going to say this salt is, sh- is threatening our marriage is threatening our relationship. We're going to attack it together knowing that either we both are going to win or we're both going to lose. And that means that I may need to practically be better at hearing, swift to hear. I need to be better at slow to speak. And absolutely, we need to be better at slow to wrath. And I promise you that if you do those things, I can't promise you what the result will be, but I promise you, you will be one step closer to a happily ever marriage, the happily ever after marriage that God dreams for your life. And in case, just one last verse, you're saying that's impossible, that's impossible, that's impossible for my marriage, I'll give you this, Luke 18, 27. It says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen. Thank you for that (laughs) enthusiasm. (laughs) Things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And I told you all this, I put this out in the email that I said, I really believe that God wants to use this series to bring healing to marriages in our church. Not marriage out there. This is not like we need to take a stand as to what society says. I don't care about society. Okay, this is not about society and marriage. This has nothing to do with society. This has to do with the people sitting in these chairs right here and the people who's watching on the other side of this camera. I believe that God wants to bring healing to our marriages. I believe that God wants to raise up the next generation of marriages to be light years ahead of where we are because our generation, let's be honest, we haven't always set the best example for marriage for the next generation. And we have we have a responsibility that the next generation who's watching us, whether here in church or in our homes, that we set an example for them as to what marriage should looks like look like. And I believe God wants to raise up the next generation to be even better prepared for marriage. And the way we're gonna get there, we're gonna start by seek God, we're gonna fight fair, and then next week, hope you come back for part three, we're gonna talk about having fun together. We will have fun together with that, so hopefully I'll see you back then. Let's stand up together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you because we know that you are here, and you want to work. You want to work in our relationships, whether we're currently married, or hoping to marry, or whatever, whatever it is, Lord. We know, Lord, that, that you desire better than what we see out there, and what many of us have experienced. So help us, Lord, give us the courage that we need to seek you and the discipline we need to seek you regularly and then to fight fair according to what you commanded us to do. And we trust, Lord, that when we do that, we trust, Lord, that you will bring healing to so many homes out there. We pray these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus'